0: Let's go. let's go! Come on, everybody, and let's get to pumping cause it's really the time, baby rips in the jumping okay, oh. 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 Come on
1: everybody. Today's show is brought to you by Rosetta Stone. Check them out at www.rosettapodcast.com/slash holy backboard. That's www.rosettapodcast.com/slash holy backboard.
0: All right, everybody, welcome to the 112th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man
1: Sage, chilling lavender, wrecked in southern Oregon. Had Had a good Easter, got to hang out with my mom. Been real busy recently, so like I, I've definitely been missing out on the mama time. So it it was it was fun to see her. I ended up telling her our plans about competing in the Rip City three on three, and she roasted me, told me that boy I gotta get in shape if I'm trying to do that, and that that's the motivation I need to get fat shamed by my mom to get in shape. So I you know I, I'm there. I'm ready. I'm ready to be that post presence man. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be posting up all day against other out of shape players in this Rip city three on three.
0: Man, it's getting close to uh, swimsuit season. You got to get on your grind, bud.
1: Dog, I've I've not a douche. <laughs> uh, I I usually win the win win people over with my stunning personality, which is getting more and more sour every day that goes by, but. Yeah, I I need to get on my grind for uh for uh tracksuit weather. So, yeah, it, it, it's time for me to make time for exercise.
0: So, did you start before or after Easter dinner?
1: Uh, we had this conversation after I had <laughs> a lot of eggs. So, yeah, um, <coughs> your boy's a tired boy. He he definitely he definitely went hard for uh for Easter dinner and I I I did some legendary shit. I watched an entire basketball game during Easter dinner and I only made a reaction once that blew away my cover. So I feel like I you know, I'm normally very emotional when it comes to games. So to just like hold all of this 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 passion in, I felt I felt pretty good.
0: Are the Pelicans starting to suck the life out of you?
1: I mean, be- being a fan of mediocre teams, Doug, um, sometimes sometimes it's like that.
0: On a scale of one to ten, how worried are you about them missing the playoffs?
1: <sighs> they got some gimmies. I I just want to make it. I don't I, I don't I don't care about who we play. I think we'll lose every matchup that we play, but I, I just want to be there, say that we made the playoffs, and then maybe compete in a, a game or two but i'm expecting I'm expecting the pelicans to be chilling at home pretty quick.
0: what's the scale one to ten? How scared are you
1: <sighs> i'm I'm gonna go with five
0: you're only a game up on Denver going five
1: When that denver fuck that that goddamn uh inbounds play where Jamal Murray stole it broke my heart. I'm, I'm trying not to I'm trying not to be super nervous but it 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 it's pretty worse worris- worrisome worrisome there we go for your boy I <laughs> words are hard words are hard and it's it's 10:30 guys I I I only broadcast for a, a career it's not like it's not like it's anything big
0: while your pelicans are teetering on draft lottery versus postseason, Your real squad clinched a seed today for the fifth consecutive year, so at least you can take some some solace in that, my friend.
1: Yeah, someone didn't believe me when I said, hey, man, I think we
0: made the playoffs. I think NBA PR got their math wrong. I don't know what the Minnesota loss had to do with anything, but it is what it is. Um, However, you know, glad we made the playoffs. That really wasn't what was in jeopardy. What's in jeopardy or up in the air is is that three seed. And, you know, I was walking home from tonight's game with Olga and she was uh, brought the point that it doesn't really matter if we're the three or the four seed. And my uh, thoughts were, it does to me, because we've had the three seed probably what's felt like almost a month now. And then if you go into the playoffs and you drop a, a drop a notch, you know, we had a 13-game win streak, you know, we had all of these great wins and great moments, and you don't want to go into the playoffs ever on a low note, mm-hmm. um, never limping in there. So I think it would be better for our, our mental state of mind to be like, hey, we held on to this three-seed against, you know, tough Western Conference competition. I think that would do the team a, a lot of good. Uh, especially fighting for injuries you know mm. Mo Harkless we didn't get a chance to talk about this on last week's show because frankly it happened a few hours after we recorded but you know he had successful surgery last Wednesday he is out but anywhere between 10 days and, and six weeks so we really don't know what's going on with Mo and then on Friday night Ed Davis you know turned that right ankle pretty bad Blazers say he will be reevaluated in seven to fourteen days. Ed Davis, from his mouth himself, told Jason: "Quick, yo, I'm back against the the Spurs of the Nuggets. Don't worry about me. Uh, my thoughts on Ed are they're probably just going to rest him regardless. I would probably play him. Give
1: Biggie some run.
0: Yeah, I probably play Ed spot minutes in the finale against the Jazz just so he gets his legs back. But I fully expect Ed Davis to be back for mm. the postseason. I, I think Mo Harkless though is the one that we really need."
1: Yeah, because of the wings. But I, 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 the one thing about the third seed, it gives us flexibility, which is important. If if we need to do something in order to make a certain matchup more beneficial to us, we have that ability now. If with the three seed, if it was the fourth seed, and that th- the three seed was the matchup that we will win, I, you know, I'd be worried. But since we have the flexibility to, if at need be, get that matchup that we need, we have that that chance. But with Mo Harkless, man, our wing depth is pretty pretty bad. Mo's kind of inconsistent, but at least you know what you're going to get defensively and hustle wise. With that, without that, we have to see what Pat Connaughton could give us in a more expanded role. I mean, Evan Turner starting, so it all it moves up the entire entire rotation up a level with in regards to the wings and some, sometimes that's scary and we're playing some teams with some wings you know our three-point shooting has
0: has really taken a dive really since Mo went down I mean we did not shoot the three well against New Orleans Memphis uh, the Clippers or, or Memphis again um, we're still finding ways to win which is good but Mo was he was wet uh when he was when he was healthy and really was coming on strong so it was a bummer to see that injury happen after probably the most important win of of the season however it seems like the surgery went well i i still think in my heart of hearts that he's going to be back in time for the playoffs um hopefully that is the case because like you said now Evan Turner has to get pushed up into a starting role he has played really strong uh, a matter of fact, but now who takes Evan Turner's minutes? And you're seeing Pat Connaughton really get a huge, huge increase in minutes. And, and frankly, he's been killing us. Uh, I, I love his hustle. I love his effort. You know, he, he tries on defense, but my his three has just been off. And Shabazz is still fighting through turf toe, so. He's having to play more minutes. You know, Wade Baldwin looked good against Memphis, but is he really ready for stretch run minutes? And it just, it's really, it's a tough time for that injury because ultimately you would like Mo Harkless to be playing extended minutes and being being able to rest a guy like Shabazz so he can get that toe healthy. Um, things like that. But, you know, it is what it is. Everyone's dealing with injuries. Uh, Steph Curry's out for, for quite some time. Kawhi Leonard is still out. Uh, obviously, DeMarcus Cousins is out. Um, Paul Millsap has missed extended time. Danilo Gallinari finally returned after I think missing like 18 games or, or something like that. So we are not alone in this in this struggle. I mean that's this. It's an 82 game marathon. No team is is perfectly in shape and, and health. Uh, there's always something wrong, and the great teams are the ones that that fight through that adversity. And you know, thankfully, we have a leader in, in Damian Lillard who. Really puts things at ease when he's on the
1: court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but whew, has has Pat been like a neutral player in this game? It seems like he's been getting roasted. He tries hard, but he got roasted a few of those games this week defensively. So he's been a net negative man. It, his regression to the mean has been so brutal for the team and for himself and for his wallet because there were times this season we're like he is a luxury we can't afford now we can afford him if if gms are just looking at these last you know 20 games we're affording him very easily on like a minimum contract like he he has shot himself out of you know a decently priced deal
0: yeah i mean that's a great point because we were just we've been discussing this throughout the season and it's we really need Pat back. Like, he is our best uh, player moving without the ball. He's been, you know, such a much improved shooter from beyond the arc.
1: And our best cutter?
0: Cutter. He's a great teammate. He's, you know, great energy on the bench. And now you start peeling those layers back and he starts regressing back to the mean. And all of a sudden, you could potentially see Portland fill that void with their first round draft pick, should they keep it. And, mm-hmm. you know, spend that extra money on maybe Yusuf Nurkic, who has improved his play. Um, Ed Davis is a guy I think you want to see back because of what he brings as a veteran presence in that locker room. And then, you know, Shabazz as that insurance policy for Damon for CJ. And now oh. all of a sudden, Pat Connerton is a guy that you could see yourself without. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there are still five games left in the season the playoffs. playoffs playoffs are where i've always said you make or break your status as a free agent i mean that's why i wanted Alan crab back because he played so well against the clippers and the warriors and i just think that's those are the primetime players you know when the limelight is on
1: uh, the, you know your star shines bright Mm-hmm. I mean, just think Bisback, Biombo got paid because of his playoffs. I mean, Aaron Gray got paid because of his playoffs. That's a deep cut. Uh, but there's a lot of players that have made their money and their fortune in these next few weeks. If Pat comes up, you know, huge, wins us a game or contributes every single game, there's going to be GMs that, you know, want him. But if you're just looking at what he provides right now, is it catch and shoot? Is that what he's providing us? An effort? You can find that essentially anywhere. Like, I'm sure Anthony Morrow would be willing to play defense right about now or something like that. We need to see that motivated Pat where he's cutting and doing creative stuff, like during his cuts, because that's where he affects the game in such a positive light when he keeps moving.
0: I mean, I just think the team right now they're finding ways to win again that's great however there are some there is some writing on the wall that when when Damian Lillard is not in that game the cracks start to appear mm-hmm.
1: memphis i mean that's the perfect example of like the cracks appearing
0: i mean you look at both memphis games oh, yeah. uh tonight portland wins 113 to 98 And Dame has to come back into the game when Portland was up 24 points. You know, they were up major double figures with six minutes to go. Stotts empties the bench. You think, you know, great job, Dame. Starters get a nice, nice rest. Dame was not in the quarter at all, so he would have had a full quarter of rest. But they have to put him back in. You look at the plus minus splits between the starters and the bench, and it'll make your eyes water because... Mm. Dame was a plus 37. Uh, Nurk at plus 28 was the lowest of any starter. And then you've got guys like Zach Collins was a minus 20. Pat Connaughton was a minus 24. Uh, Wade Baldwin came in for four minutes. The team was minus 14. Memphis reeled off 13, 14 straight points. Mm,
1: they had a 14-point run.
0: And they're doing this with a bunch of you know, G League second 2nd second, second, round picks. and. You know, we still have respectable players out there, and the the focus just isn't isn't there. And it really bit Portland earlier this week after, you know, two incredible wins against the the Thunder and and Pelicans. We lost by five points, 108-103, to this same Memphis team in Memphis. We gave up 32 fourth-quarter points, got outscored by 10 in the quarter uh, Chandler Parsons played well, Marshawn Brooks couldn't miss, but Marc Gasol sat for the final 18 minutes of that game. Andrew Harrison, their starting point guard, did not play. Mike Conley, obviously out. Tyreek Evans is not even with the team for personal reasons, and yet you had the Blazers without Dame and without Mo Harkless had this team dead to rights, down seven points on multiple occasions, uh, especially in the fourth quarter, and they could not put the team away uh we shot horribly from the free throw line uh 19 of 30 and it's just a game where you should win i don't care if dame doesn't play or not if the rockets play that game without james harden they win by 30 you know if the warriors play without steph or kd they still find a way to win that's what the great teams do they just have a focus about them and you know cj had 42 points on 16 of 25 shooting, he was lights out, but nobody else wanted to step up, and I, I think we really saw why Dame is a legit MVP candidate, because none of our guards could get the ball to use of Nurkic. Nurk only took six shots, made five, had 12 and 8 in, in 28 minutes, but he should have been a staple for us, especially with Marcus Gasol sitting because Memphis didn't want that win. I mean, their players no. did, but management did not want that win. That's why they were resting Marc Gasol.
1: I mean, come yeah. on. But- I mean, Marcus Gasol didn't give a shit about that game, to be honest. Like, he was doing Eurostep, like, runners and shit like that. He didn't care about this game at all. But it was those guys that are hungry, that are grinding, that want that next contract, that want to be on this team next year. Marshawn Brooks, uh, Wayne Ellington, all of those guys. And we gave them that glimmer of a chance and they have nothing to lose except playing well and getting that next contract you're giving a team with that literally has nothing to lose confidence to play against a team that's fighting for the third seed in the west and then they play they played well and beat us like we, it was our fault for letting them have that little bit of confidence to that they could compete with us and then they took advantage of it
0: it was just one of the most frustrating losses, and I know a lot of people on Twitter were happy with a two and one road trip. Obviously, you look at that road trip before it happens, and you definitely take two and one. But when you get the two against two, again, the Thunder uh, and the Pelicans, and the you, they, those two are happens, fighting,
1: those two are fighting for the playoffs. They're hungry. They want it. And then we played down to the second worst team in the West, the first worst team in the West, like. That, that should have been a gimme-gimme win, with or without Damian.
0: And it was just another realization that we rely a little bit too much on, on Damian Lillard because nobody else outside of CJ really had it dialed in who, who took a decent amount of field goals. You know, Yusuf Nurkic excluded because none of our guards could get him the ball. I mean, I am one of the biggest Shabazz fans, but he couldn't get Nurk the ball. Um, Shabazz yeah. was 2 of 11, uh, Aminu was 0 of 6 from 3, Evan Turner was 2 of 9, Pat Compton Wade- was 1 of 5, and really... Wade I-
1: Baldwin was our second best player that game. Yeah,
0: Wade Baldwin played really good, and you have Terry Stotts, who took him out of the game.
1: I mean, it- it's him with those rotations, man, he has that set idea, but... Wade looked fine in those games. He had he had athleticism. He had bounce. He wanted to he wanted to show out for the team that you know rebuffed him. He wanted that victory, and he played well. But because of the philosophy with the team, he was on the bench. And
0: for everyone out there who saw what Wade Baldwin did and automatically thinks, "Oh, we can let Shabazz walk in the offseason, Beep beep beep! Hold the brakes on the truck. Shabazz has single-handedly won us a handful of games this year. And before his toe really started bothering him, he was a huge reason why we were still in the playoff race mid-season. Uh, it was his insertion into the final lineup, that three-guard lineup. I think it was Orlando in November, December that really kind of kickstarted this team after we had lost so many home games. And you know, Baz balled out in the game against Oklahoma City when Dame was out. I mean, he has played some impressive basketball, definitely the best of his short NBA career to to this point. And don't forget that that toe is really bothering him because he's definitely not the player he was earlier this year. But to to my point, he's going to have to find that somehow, some way, because we're going to need everyone clicking on all cylinders to to be a threat in this Western Conference playoff.
1: Yeah, I, Wade looked fine in a short, in a, in a small sample size against the worst team that's blatantly tanking. He looked good. He looked fine. But Shabazz has had a... I mean, not a long history, but like a history of playing well in games where he gets the ball. Like his usage as a third guard is incredible. Terry Tots trusts him, which is a huge thing. There's a reason Wade Baldwin's been cut so many times or sent to the G League so many times. Now, Shavaz has been on the team and the coach trusts him. But watching that Memphis game, I, I have a question. Two minutes left on in the game. Dame, you can't choose Dame. Who is the guy you trust at the free throw line the most besides Damien?
0: Holy shit. Uh-huh.
1: That's what I was thinking that la- That last few minutes when we were uh, crafting the game away. Well, who, who do you trust the most besides Damien?
0: <sighs> I don't think... I don't think there's a right answer. I mean, I will still roll with C.J. McCollum. I know he's had his struggles this year. Last year, he led the league in three-throw shooting. So I'm still going to roll with C.J. I think Shabazz is also a good option. Um, Aminu's good to get you one out of two. Evan Turner has been doing better lately at the line, but he doesn't get there enough to make me feel super comfortable. Uh, Really, I don't want to see... Nurk Nurk's the guy I would really be hesitant about seeing at the line, but I mean, really, we need more consistent shooters at, at the stripe because you can't go a 19 for 30 on the road. I don't care who you're playing. You, you they're called free throws
1: for a reason. You know, you know when Nurk got in the line in that Memphis game, it had it reminded me of when Mason Plumley got to the line. That's how little I trusted him in those, and especially in clutch moments. And I remember Mason Plumlee hitting free throws and clutch moments for us, especially in that playoff series against the Clippers. But like I had that vibe of like, ooh, this could be this could be detrimental to us right here and then he bricks them. <laughs> I mean, obviously number 1's Dame and I, I I just hope that he's the one taking all those clutch re- uh free throws, but Yeah, with how how our guys have been shooting in the
0: clutch, whoo. Just it bothered me that people were talking about CJ missing free throws. He went seven for nine, like that seventy eight percent. I am sure if he had one more, that's that's eight of 10, ten, eighty percent. Like obviously, that's not up to his standards, but still he had damn 42 good. Two fucking points without mm-hmm. his forty two, we lose that game by thirty. There is no way we're even in that game. So it's always so frustrating when you go on Twitter after the game and people just have that recency bias of the last thing they saw that automatically thinks that's the reason a game was won or lost, when in reality there are hundreds of plays and situations that all add up to
1: one final score. Absolutely. But it's just a shame that those two missed free throws were at, like, the time where we could ill afford to miss those free throws. But I I get it. Like, we wouldn't be even remotely close to winning without them, but it's like, Whew, We could have really used those two makes at that time, but uh, yeah. I mean, like C- CJ ball ball the fuck out, except you know, random players like Marshawn Brooks happen to have their their career game against us. What I mean, you know, like again, like we we said last podcast, like Damon C J are the baseline, and then once one or two or three of those guys have good games. We win, but Memphis had like four four guys that were in the G League last year, or China, or Europe. Just have ball out. <laughs> I mean, Mark Gasol had no interest in playing that game. None. It was just, you know, one overpaid small forward, and then a bunch of hungry motherfuckers trying to get the get that win in their next contract. And that's
0: that's kind of how it goes sometimes. Sometimes it's not your night. It's just unfortunate it happened when you're in a playoff race. But I thought Portland rebounded wonderfully against the Clippers Friday night on ESPN. Uh easily handled the Clippers 105-96 in the game, where the score really wasn't indicative of how easily Portland won that contest against the Clippers, who were also fighting for their playoff lives.
1: Yeah, man, we, we the games we won were against, like, dudes that are hungry that want that win. You know, We just played down to bad teams, apparently. You know, Dame brought back
0: a calming presence to the offense. Despite shooting 5 of 16, he still found time to hand out 11 assists compared to only two turnovers and pull down seven boards. He got to the line six times. A... What I've noticed about Dame lately is his shot isn't falling, the mm-hmm. way it was probably around the time the Lakers game happened, but he's really upped his. I don't know what what do you, what do you want to call it? Court vision, you know, point God, whatever it is, he is finding the guys on the pick and roll, making the extra pass. Yeah,
1: the playmaking.
0: But his playmaking has been through the roof, and when in the past this, this uh, you know, up to his first four or five years in the league, whenever he got a double double with points and assists, you were kind of astounded, like, oh, that's, you know, that's a really nice night for Dame, like, that doesn't happen a lot, you know, he's known as a scoring guard, but when these assists are dropping, mm. the double doubles, it's kind of like a Chris Paul, it's becoming a, a nightly, you know, I don't want to mm. say an expectation, but you're just, oh, that's par for the course for
1: Dame, like, he's just doing, doing the thing right now. And he's going to the line. He can't. He's not shooting as well, but he, he's he's definitely attacking more. And that's probably because he knows I'm not. I'm not really hitting right now. But the the most proud I was of Dame was in that New Orleans game. I don't know if you were able to watch the first quarter, but there was a time where Nurk picked up two or two quick fouls really quickly. You know, you know Nurk. You know what he likes to do. Dame made a point. To walk over and like have like a minute conversation with dude, I think that was a huge reason. Like the pep top, the pep talk that Dame had with Nurk for Nurk going out out in the second half and just bodying shit. In the first quarter, Mecha Okafor was handling him, but in that third quarter, like it was it was new Nurk. It was the it was the Nurk that like Portland fell in love with. He was attacking. He was getting those boards is cleaning up a lot of messes that right there was when i was most proud of dame he, he 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 supported and uh talked up his big and the his big showed out for him
0: i mean that was vintage roller. Uh that was the game that i thought really cemented his status on the first team all nba guard list you look at forty one points, nine boards, six assists, four steals, only two free throws, and those were intentional fouls. I mean, he got hacked a couple of times with, you know, a missed call. But he didn't let it get him down. I thought the performance where he essentially pulled us from the grave. Like we were in quick we were in quicksand the entire game. Like just struggling to stay afloat. You know New Orleans to their credit for Portland's perspective, did not
1: shut the door when they had I felt
0: multiple yeah, opportunities oh no,
1: to no. do so. Port- Portland was not trying to win that game in the first half. Well,
0: we were trying to win. We just weren't hitting shit. I mean, CJ was 3 of 19 for the game. I mean, Alperu Camino was 3 of 13. Chief was 2 of 10 from 3. CJ was 1 of 6 from 3. You remove Dame's, you know, 3 triples. Portland shot 7 of 23 from three-point land, which is terrible. Um, but that's why you have a franchise player, and you're able to just ride that guy. He puts the team on his back, like he did in Phoenix, like he did in Los Angeles, and like he did mm-hmm. in New Orleans, because that was a game where we do not win unless game goes into God mode.
1: Yeah, dude, Whew. that game fucked with my emotions. Knock on front. Um, win, win it. I I think I was cheering more for Portland and but when AD went down dog I remember my my house is, you know, nicely you know the temperature is cool but I remember my face just covered with sweat like I remember my shirt being uh just soaked I remember uh I, like, every part of my body was clenched, dog. It, it it was not a fun few moments. And, I like, one thing people need to not do is when you're a franchise... Knock on wood. But when a franchise player or a player gets hurt, you can't send the text of saying, I'm sorry, sorry about AD, or sorry about whomever. The second that shit happens, cause I'm not ready to process it, and I'm not ready to talk to anybody else but myself about, okay, it's all good, it's all good. But like, I got like, I think seven texts as soon as that, that, as soon as AD hit the ground and was pounding the, 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 the floor. I got way too many texts for, uh, for my comfort level. <laughs>
0: What's weird is I watched the replay and nothing really happened. No, no, it didn't look
1: bad. And I was like, what's,
0: what's going on? Obviously, it was the ankle and he was hobbled for the remainder of the game. What were your thoughts on Gentry playing him? Just, I know the stakes were high, but it wasn't a playoff game and this is your franchise. You already saw your running mate earlier this season Break mm-hmm. Injury, Achilles, done for the year. Anthony Davis, I know you love him, but he gives you a, a good injury scare. I think at least two or three times a season.
1: That's a that's generous. That, that's a generous, that's super generous. generous. Yeah, so no uh, I was- wouldn't. I wouldn't have played. I would have, honestly, I would have had Solomon Hill run the offense and give him PT because he's recovering from a, a torn hamstring. I wouldn't have played Drew or AD the rest of the game. I mean, Jed. Gentry's coaching for his job right now. Even though he's playing really, like, his team's, you know, playing over-expected win-loss, he's still coaching for his job. And he knows it, and, like, the entire brain trust of New Orleans knows that, like, you know, a missed playoff, uh, dell has gone, Gentry's gone, the entire infrastructure of what is here right now is gone. So I get why he did it. But... It was pretty cool to see Dame go bananas and then the guy that I've been talking up all year, Drew Holiday, go absolutely bananas as well. Like, you got to see two point guards who are completely different players dominate the game in their specific ways. And that was pretty interesting to see. It's a clash of styles between Dame and Drew Holiday. And I
0: think... Drew gave Evan Turner a signed jersey, the same jersey, after his triple double performance. Did he? Yeah, I saw it, yeah. I saw it in ET's Instagram.
1: They were teammates in Philly. That's probably where it's from. I was just saying it's cool to see Nurk establish his dominance over players like Emeka Okafor. Because in that first half, it, it, it was a struggle for him. But then, whatever reason, he came out like, you know, a bat out of hell, just. Dominating whoever was put in front of him. Like, that's the type of nerd we're going to need in the playoffs. None of this petulant, I'm going to get two quick fouls and sit for the half type of guy. This is where he needs to contribute every second he is in, in his own way.
0: Portland needs to get him the ball. Primarily in the pick and roll situation. And, like you said, we need to keep him out of foul trouble because... His continuous putbacks in the third quarter kept us afloat. He did like oh, four straight possessions where he just cleaned up the garbage and put it back up and in. I mean, he had 21-10 to go on with four blocks. And anytime we can get him locking up the paint with his interior defense, that's going to make us you know, a tough out in, in the postseason. But you mentioned that when Dame started going off, you started to want Portland to win a little bit more. How did that work? Did it did it just initially happen? Did a, a switch get flipped? Did you realize that Portland's gonna maybe win anyways, and you don't want to be like how? Take me through this game emotionally for you.
1: Um, there was a lot of yelling, a whole lot of yelling. I remember in the first quarter, I was very happy with Ameeka Oglevor because he got ten rebounds and played well. And then I saw Drew playing well, and I was happy for him. And then Dame started lighting it up. I'm like, okay, this this is this is a vintage, this is a vintage Dame. And then AD got hurt, and I was just like, oh fuck this team, fuck this season. I don't know why I choose to be a fan of this team. Oh, uh- <laughs> uh, uh, but then, and then I remember a specific point. Uh, New Orleans was trying to inbound the ball, and Solomon Hill just passed it to nobody, and it went out of bounds. Uh, i That's when I was like, fuck it, pull it. We don't care. I don't care about this game. Pull all the starters, Alvin. And then New Orleans happened to go on a run, right? Directly after I was said, fuck this team. (laughs) So it it was a lot of emotions for me. Um, But in the bottom of my heart, when I saw Dame going supernova. I knew who was going to win. Especially with a hobbled Anthony Davis. There's, there's, there really isn't any stopping Dame when he's like that. Like, Especially when it's pick and roll, and then you do the switch, and then Anthony can't get to the spot fast enough because of the ankle. And I, you know, I, I have to say this shit. Shame on the guy from Locked On Jazz for bringing up a specific point where Anthony Davis was quote-unquote lagging behind you're a journalist you actually work for the Utah Jazz and you're bringing up another team. Shame on you for doing that and I hope like you've gotten zero clicks from that shit because that was some bad journalism. you don't talk shit about other teams your teams the jazz are fucking awesome and to see that stuff from like an actual professional journalist was was disheartening for me.
0: Well, I think you can talk about other teams especially if they're in the same playoff race but I just thought his point was invalid.
1: Yeah, he brought up the fact that uh AD was jogging. Dude, dude you, you saw A D play. He he If this wasn't any important game, he would have been on the bench. And it's like, alright, he, he's fighting through it and that that shows some gumption, but man, jazz are awesome. Stop 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 hating on another team. And I, I would feel this way, I think with and you know, any team. Not the team that I mean like of course, I'm going to feel more with the team that I rooted for, but man, that that was upsetting for someone who, like, is a professional journalist. He he covers the jazz. But yes, um, is there? Did we talk about the Clippers game? Because we've we've gotten hella out of order.
0: Yeah, I mean that's just kind of how we roll. But one <laughs> last thing on
1: the Pelicans.
0: I know there are quite a few fans in Portland, who wanted Neil to trade that first for Nico Miertit. Oh my god, can I talk about Nico? I want to say that not only was he invisible against Portland, but I watched the game on NBA TV tonight against the Thunder, and the dude was a ghost. He was yeah, no wasn't that negative. found, could not throw it in from the ocean. So, I just want to say that Hey, maybe that that wouldn't have been the best trade for for Portland. So you know, I'm just smiling right here. You you can't you're listening,
1: so you can't see, but
0: in my voice, I hope you know how happy I am that we did not make that trade.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Nico is he's he's one of those X Factor guys. I don't I don't th- I I don't think he knows himself as a basketball player well enough. Like, I don't know if you actually got to see it, but did you see where he spotted up? on a fast break and just air completely airball the shot. Like he doesn't know the difference between a good shot and a bad shot. So could you imagine a lineup Dame, CJ, Nico, Aminu and how many bad shots our forwards would take? Like I I think Nico would have been fine if Zach Collins didn't exist and we didn't trade up for him and all that. But like now that we have Zach Collins and he's actually showing something even though he's a rookie, Nico would have been a waste of assets and we would have had to give up a first round pick to even be in the competition. And I think we could have used our fir- I could use our first round pick for something that helps us like a small forward. We have we had like we haven't had tr- 5 trillion power forwards. We didn't need to add another one. But yeah, I agree with you. That Nico trade would have been real bad. So, I guess sometimes you know, not making that trade that everyone wants is a good thing. But uh, I know your precious boy, Noah Vonley, he, he's balling out of control the last 10 games. Are are you happy for uh, for uh, Noah Vonley doing his thug fizzle in Chicago?
0: Absolutely. I, I like Noah Vonley. I think he's a nice player. I think he's going to get um, probably a low contract. But whoever gets him, I think he's going to get a player who can take his game out to the three-point line. He has a respectable mid-range jump shot. He's athletic and can finish around the rim. But most importantly, he can play defense interior and on the perimeter. I don't know why it never fully clicked in Portland. I think Terry Stotts and his, I'm going to start you, but then I'm going to not play you. That type of Joel Freeland minutes that Von that Vonley would get. I think that was his ultimate doing, but mm-hmm. I, I, still I think mean, like, think we should have kept him because with Ed Davis out, I would want to give those minutes to Noah Vonley. If we're playing a team like yeah. the Pelicans in the playoffs, I want Noah Vonley guarding Anthony Davis. You know, If we're playing the Minnesota Timberwolves and they go big with Carl Anthony Towns at the four, I want Noah Vonley gar- guarding Carl Anthony Towns. Like, he's able to switch in the perimeter. We're able to do so many different things, but we've already discussed that, so it's... I mean, there's really no point in doing that anymore. But
1: mm. I mean, like you—you you can't cheat the fluidity that he has. I'm—I'm I'm very happy that he's being utilized. Um, we're—we're—we're we're, we're talking Chicago for a second. How do you? How do you? If you were Rolo or Justin Holiday or any of these other players getting benched for for teams that are obviously tanking. How would you feel about it if you were that that player?
0: It is what it is. They have to know that at some point during the season, they're mathematically eliminated from the playoff position. Justin Holliday and Robin Lopez, there's no more potential. You know what you're going to get from those players most of the time on a nightly basis. The only way for their career trajectory is down. I think Robbins probably maybe already peaked. Justin Holley might have a little room to grow if not, he's already kind of in the prime of his, his mm. career right now. And I think you just have to understand that management wants to see guys like Bobby Portis, Noah Vonley, Lowry Markkinen, um, Chris Dunn, Zach Levine. I mean, they have a lot of young players who mm, the best is yet to come or mm. they want to be able to see if that's the case so they know whether to move on from those players or not. Also, you're making millions of dollars playing playing a game you love where you get a, a defined on and off season. I, I'm not feeling too bad for you. I mean, if, if it worse comes to worse, just kindly request a trade or wait till your contracts out and take less money to sign with a contender where you know you're going to get minutes. I mean, it really, obviously in the case of Robin Lopez, he didn't have a, a choice because he was traded to Chicago. But... He did sign with the New York Knicks, and the Knicks have never been good during his NBA tenure. So, I mean, it's it just, it's kind of how the cookie crumbles.
1: And what, what do you think the uh, Grizzlies are going to do with Marc Gasol? Do you think they'll keep him next year?
0: They have that, they fucked up by not trading him this year. Because if I'm a GM, I'm not selling the farm to get Marc Gasol. Like, he's not... He's not a guy where it's it's tough to put these into words because obviously he's put into a tough situation, but I see players out there and they're fighting regardless. Mark mm. mailed that shit in, and if I'm gonna sell the farm, I wanna know it's for a player who's kind of Wesley Matthews the fuck out of the game. Like they are gonna go balls to the wall regardless of the scenario. If you're in the game, they're gonna give it everything they've got, and Marc Gasol has not only openly and publicly in the media kind of thrashed the organization. He was one of the the, the personnel, the main personnel to get David Fisdell fired from, from all reports. It, it's weird that he doesn't get a, a bad rap around the league when players do less and get more of a rap. And... I don't know if it has to do with skin color or not. So I think I'd have to do more research into that to form a better opinion on that. It's just it strikes me as odd that he doesn't have this coach killer rap when I think he's killed two of yeah. them, right? So it's it's tough for me to say, but they should have traded him at the deadline. He's only getting older. He he's just not the player he once was. He's 33 going on 34. I I I think they're going to get a really low return on their investment.
1: Mhm. I mean, he provided them some really great seasons. Maybe just send him off to a team in the East and maybe he'll get motivated to play ball again cuz he ain't motivated right now.
0: You know who else was not motivated? DeAndre
1: Jordan. Oh, no, 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 no. You know he's gone from L.A., Dad.
0: It's weird, though, because they're in a playoff push, and he just didn't look super interested. I mean, 10 and 14? I mean, 14 boards is nice, but that's DeAndre. He's going to get boards, but Portland did not get a shot blocked by DeAndre. Um, I think that he only had one oop, and that was in the, the second quarter, or, or it was really early in the game. How many
1: turnovers did he have? Three turnovers. Rem- three? Led, led remember- the team in turnovers. Because I remember his passing, he was on some real tight angles, and it led to Portland uh runouts on, on some fast break shit. I think, like, you know, Shabazz didn't know better, and just ran it Coast to coast. <laughs> I
0: mean, Nurk dominated. I mean, Nurk had 21 and 12, four blocks, two steals, three dimes. Nurk showed out uh, against DeAndre and, and Boban, so that was that was great to see. I was actually worried about this game because the Clippers have such a nice bench, but after starting out hot, Lou Williams kind of shot them out of the game. 23 points on 22 shots. Harrell, we kept him off the glass. He only had three rebounds. Boban Pretty much came in when the game
1: was already. He had some nice garbage time dunks. Yeah,
0: he was. He basically played garbage time, but Portland really put the clamps down on Austin Rivers, and Tobias Harris was just six of seventeen. So I was really proud of the defensive effort because the Clippers only had sixty six points through three quarters, and that's a team that can that can fill it up. So mm-hmm. great performance by the Trailblazers on on ESPN national televised game. Zach Collins showed out with a couple of nice dunks. Uh, 7 of 10 from the floor, 15 he points. He was running
1: the floor like a gazelle a few of those fast breaks. Oh yeah, that's
0: what I want to see from this team. We saw that against Memphis tonight too. We got out on the break and we ran a little bit. And, you know, we got some athletes. Do you
1: think it's Terry Stotts trusting his team more and giving them more of a leash to do things like that on fast break opportunities? Because I, 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 I would say that you know, when when we were getting like six points a game on transition, it was because Terry Stotts didn't trust Evan Turner, or he didn't trust Dame or CJ to make that right decision. Now, like we're firing on a lot more cylinders.
0: I mean, really, outside of Mo Harkless, there's no one when they're on the break. I'm super confident in Dame a little bit, but
1: I like Bass.
0: Yeah, they're yeah, they're just not super athletic. I mean. For example, CJ's on the break, I, I want him pulling that back out because it seems like he gets it blocked a lot. Chief, you never know. Chief is like a grab bag. You
1: no, Chief no is idea. like that. Yeah, man. Chief is either, you know, a cherry pie or a shit, cu- a shit pie. There's no middle ground. There's no he's pulling it back. He's either pulling the most awkward Euro step for a basket or trying the most awkward Euro step and getting blocked out. I mean... <laughs>
0: You know, we got to get Dame some weapons because you know Terry Porter had, Jerome Kersey, Cliff Robinson, Clyde Drexler. I mean, just on the break, just you dish to your left or right, and they're going to throw it down. Like I said, if it's if it's not moharkless Harkless, I don't know who's sending in that thunderous Duncan. You know, Dame will most of the time at least get to the free throw line, but we just I, I think we need to get more athletic in, in the offseason. So are you
1: think you think is there a You you have absolutely watched more college basketball than me. Is there like a hyper athletic wing player you're you're seeing that would be around there in the late part of the first round? I mean, that's the the curse in playing
0: so well. We have the fifth best record in the entire league, so we'd be picking twenty sixth. I'm at the point in in the season where if we show out pretty well in the playoffs, I would want to trade that pick. And normally, I'm all about keeping first round picks over everything, but with the the, the mid-level exception and that draft pick, that's really all we're going to have to work with. And, you know, this is Damon CJ that This is their mm-hmm. time. Like, we need to go in as much as we can go in, regardless of the rest of the league. And, you know, if you can add a nice... Teams will give you a really nice chip for a first-round pick. So if we can get... Mm-hmm. A, you can, yeah. If we can get a guy who's going to, you know, really bolster our bench, that's going to make Portland... We're going to be a tough fucking team to beat because... You know, we've seen them play against Houston when when the role players are clicking, you know, Damon CG had an off night and we still almost won that game. So, so it, there's, a is it like of, a, there's a lot like a of room for this team. I think if we just I think we're only one or two piece small pieces away.
1: Mm. So is is the guy you would trade for like an athletic freak or like more like of a, a, a creative uh secondary or first uh Secondary ball handler off the bench type of guy.
0: I would say neither. And I know you're going to like shake your head at me, but if we had an Eric Gordon type on this team, I would be so thrilled beyond belief. A guy that's a legit sixth man of the year candidate, come off the bench, give you 16 to 20 a night, guaranteed. That is going to not only allow Damian Lillard to not play as many minutes throughout the course of the regular season, but there are nights when Damon CJ are both off, and it's going to be really rare if we had Eric Gordon on this team that Gordon, Lillard, and McCollum would all be off. Mm-hmm. And that's why you see the Rockets do so well, is because they have so many weapons from the outside. And it's, you know, we saw tonight, you know, Chris Paul obviously didn't play, but this was only their third quarter of the entire season where they didn't make a three, and it happened in the first quarter. They were 0 of 8. So that doesn't happen very often. That's why they're they've already locked up home court advantage throughout the entire postseason is because they've got consistent shooters that you know make it tough. You really have to decide: are are we gonna double team James Harden or are we gonna let mm. him go one on one? Because the option is is lethal either way. And we're sort so you want like of, a
1: catch and shoot? Yeah,
0: we're sort of getting that way with Dame and CJ, but. When Aminu, that was, and when Pat, yeah. and when Mo, when they're not hitting, I mean, that that is the playoffs in a nutshell. Portland's mm. role players, how they shoot from the outside. I mean, I will tell you right now, if you tell me what they're shooting in each game,
1: I can say win, loss, win. When, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would love a guy with the archetype of Eric Gordon. Now, if we trade for Eric Gordon, I'm going to fucking be pissed. Houston's not letting him go. Calm down. I would be fucking furious. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it would be... Could you imagine how bitter I will be?
0: It's not going to happen. Move on.
1: I'm good on that, but I think an archetype like Eric Gordon, the knockdown shooter, the catch and shoot god, that'd be pretty damn important, and then you can in theory, have him be like the 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 irrational confidence guy in the second second unit, and then in the when it, when it's like a three guard lineup, he can just be deadly catch and shoot. I I get that. I think that's a really good idea.
0: Yeah, because if we're talking bench production, I don't think it gets much better than peak Ed Davis. I think you want to keep Zach Collins getting as much time as possible, and whether we like it or not, we're Evan Turner is going to be a Portland Trailblazer for for the duration of his contract. And if he plays like he did tonight... Do you think he
1: could be uh, a a tradable asset his last year, like in the deadline?
0: I mean, everyone's a tradable asset as an expiring deal, but for for all intended purposes, he seems like he is a great personality on the team, great chemistry, great locker room guy, and plays good defense. So it, it, it depends on what you can get, but... Neil Olshay, whether it's a million dollar decision for Pat Connaughton or a seventeen million dollar decision with Ed, with Evan Turner, has shown to put more value into that chemistry, that culture, his and
1: own guys, that yeah. environment. Yeah. So, I mean, it really, but he is also willing to admit that he made a mistake with signing his own guys, and you saw that with trading Alan Crab at like the day that he was able to trade Alan Crab. Like, at least he is conscious enough to know, I fucked up.
0: Oh, I was going to say that Mo Harkless, if he continues at his pace, if we get consistent Mo Harkless, he's the small forward we've been yearning for.
1: But we've had this discussion for multiple years about if he gets consistent, he would be that premium guy that we want.
0: When he went is down, there- though, when he went down, he was playing at that level in the Houston performance. He basically outshined Carmelo and Paul George in Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. both statistically and on with the eye test. So he has the capabilities, and I, I think really it was his own self-awareness that that article came out where they were watching film, and he's like, everyone on the bench is showing out for their teammates, and I'm sitting here sulking, like, uh, a kid who dropped his
1: ice cream cone,
0: and for him to he have- was a
1: grumpy face for a lot of this year, man. He
0: was, and he, he he's the first to admit he's the most moody uh, of any Trailblazer. So there's always that caveat when saying, "Oh, if we get this type of Mo Harkless," but I think the same thing could be said about Yusuf Nurkic, and it's the reason we have Damien Lillard on this team. He is the the proven mm. leader. He has the intangibles. He has the X factor whatever the fuck you want to call it Damian Lillard has it and that's why he's so so special to to this franchise that I think he can get the best out of his teammates and Portland with our cap situation and our realistic tradable assets we're gonna really rely on guys like Mo Harkless and Zach Collins absolutely all the internal development to take that that step but There's still this season to talk about, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then get right back into
1: it. For you, the listeners of the Holy Backboard podcast, Rosetta Stone is offering a 24-month subscription for less than $8 a month. Rosetta Stone continuously sets the standards in learning to enable people to change their world, and its dedication to improve learning by making it more effective, accessible, and engaging. To try Rosetta Stone today, go to www.rosettapodcast.com slash holybackboard. Again, that's www.rosettapodcast.com slash holybackboard for your special offer to Rosetta Stone.
0: All right everybody, welcome back to the Holy Backboard podcast. Dustin and Sage here. Sage, I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense to predict the remaining 5 games because we just don't know who's going to play. Portland could win mm-hmm. the next 2 lock up the 3 seed and then we rest. So instead of predicting each game, let's kind of play scenarios. Let's say Portland does lock up the the 3 seed with two to three games left to go. If you're Terry Stotts, how do you handle these rotations?
1: I, I, I don't play Dame. I would say I'm resting my, my, my guys, because they have played a lot of minutes for me this year. So I would rest Dame and CJ and Nurk. Just not I play would them at see all. What, yeah, I'm not risking it. If, we lo- if it's locked up, man, I'm not risking it at all. And I want to see what Wayne Baldwin and Shabazz and all of those guys have. Give them the, that extended run. See what Biggie can do. See what Zach Collins could do. If if we've got it locked up, I want to see what all these guys who don't get extended minutes can do. I forgot what Jake Lehman does. Let's see what he, he he if he can provide something.
0: I see what you're saying, but I have to disagree. I I I, I don't want to see a huge layoff because you know the playoffs probably start the 14th or the 15th. We're talking about locking it up Thursday night. I mean, you're looking at 10 days potentially off between games. I don't know how good Portland is if they lose. If they have home court advantage and they lose game 1 or game 2, I'm not feeling very comfortable or confident in Portland coming back to win that series. I think we really have to handle our business at home and we work so hard for that advantage. I wouldn't play them regular minutes, but I would play them maybe roughly 18 to 22 minutes, you know, just, just Mm -hmm. keep them in rhythm, keep them mentally focused. And why I say that I, during the season I, I try to read at least one book every month and I've been reading a lot of basketball books lately. And one of them was a look back at the 92-93 Phoenix Suns and that was a team that won 62 games. They got Charles Barkley, they won the MVP, he was the MVP, and they had the best record. They clinched like the Rockets did just now with like a week or two left in the season and their head coach at the time, Paul Westfall, basically came out and said, "We're resting everyone, you know, I got guys that are banged up. This is the exhibition season, nothing matters." Well, what happened was they lost their rhythm, and the eighth-seeded Lakers took the first two games from Phoenix in Phoenix, where they had the best home court in the entire NBA for that for that year. Phoenix eventually came back and won that series in five, back when it was only a best of five. But that is something that I don't think Portland can afford. If Portland lost the first two games at home, that's a wrap. And mm. I know you're risking injury, but and I, I don't want this to be taken the wrong way. Whether you get injured playing in a regular season game or a playoff game, it's it's always there. And, and I know there's the 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 naysayers or the hindsight is 2020 and say he should not have been playing. But what's to say? Okay, if we rest him, that he doesn't get hurt in the playoffs. So like, it's my thing is basketball is a physical game. A lot of weird things can happen. You can get injured at any time. I mean, hell, like. We all could get injured at any point in life. I wouldn't play them big minutes, but I would definitely want to see what Wade Baldwin can do. I would definitely want to rest now if a guy has a legit injury, like Shabazz Napier. I would completely rest him. I would completely rest Mo Harkless. Uh, maybe give Ed Davis the, the last game of the season, but let's see what you know. See if Nur- Nurk is a rhythm player. We've got to keep him in that rhythm. Um, CJ too. I mean, we, we see, we've seen him kill it against OKC and then go 3 of 19 against New Orleans. Kill it against Memphis, and then he was a little quiet uh, against the Clippers. So I want to keep our guys get a rhythm. I think that mindset of we've got it locked up and then we can flip the switch. We've had that switch flipped on since the All-Star break. Mm. We've seen this team, what happens when it just comes off or even starts flickering a little bit and it's not pretty so i, I want to see them still focused and still locked in and i think there's a level of mental you prepare for the game different mentally when you're playing or when they're not it doesn't matter how many minutes so that's why i would play them about 20 a night just to keep them keep them locked in mm.
1: and if i was a betting man i bet that's what uh, uh terry stotts does And
0: if you want to give them the last night off of the season, or if you want to just give them, if you want to rotate games like, okay, Dame, you take off the Spurs game, CJ, you get off the the Denver game. I'm fine with that too. Missing one game I don't think will throw off anyone's rhythm. So I'm completely cool with that, but I wouldn't just shut them down and then expect them to get right back up. I, I just, you know, these guys are creatures of habit. We're all, we all do better when we're in a rhythm. It doesn't matter if we're, at our careers, you know, at architecture or in the NBA, like we're always better when mm. we're dialed in.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, if we know one thing about Terry Stotts and his coaching habits, he loves to play our guys big minutes. So I don't, I couldn't see him ch- flipping the switch completely, one hundred and eighty, into resting his guys. So I would assume that they would play but a uh, much lesser uh, amount of minutes. I'm more risk-averse, but I totally get why you and f- most likely Terry are would want to see, you know, the guys play.
0: How many wins? So we have five games left. We're at 48 wins right now. How many wins do you see?
1: I think Mavericks for sure is 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 a win. I
0: think it has to if we want the three seed. Dallas has
1: to be a win. Yeah, that I can see as, you know, it's so weird. It's like we play up to our competition, and then we play down to it very easily. So I can see us losing to Dallas, but beating Houston and then beating San Antonio in San Antonio. Like, I would like to say that Dallas is a gimme and we'll get it, but. You know what, Dallas can hit threes in bunches, so but I definitely see at least if the line was two and a half, I would go three. I'd go the over.
0: Yeah, my thinking is we beat Dallas. I think it's gonna be tough. Dallas has kept a lot of games against good teams within single digits and a Rick Carlisle a Rick Carlisle coach team will, will not give up. They're gonna play till the end. But without Wesley Matthews, and I don't know if Dennis Smith Jr. is playing right now either, Portland should take advantage as long as we lock in on guys like Harrison Barnes and just, just focus. Like we, We've we seen what this team does when they focus and when they don't. Then comes the, the four game.
1: Dennis Smith Jr. isn't on the injury report uh, according to the score app on my phone. But I
0: don't think he played tonight against Cleveland.
1: He did. He played 33 minutes. Had 14 points. Yep. Okay. Shows how much I remember.
0: Either way, this is going to be a game like Memphis, where you're gonna you're gonna play with a lot of guys who you're gonna leave scratching your head, saying he's actually in the NBA. <laughs> so yeah. Portland needs to focus. They need to handle that one. Obviously, Houston is going to rest either Harden or Paul. That could be a game where I think Portland wants to use it as a measuring stick, regardless of who's playing for Houston. Houston's got nothing to play for. They looked very lackadaisical today in San Antonio, and they needed a Gerald Green three pointer to beat the Suns after being down 21 Mm -hmm. points in the second half. So I could see that game being a victory. San Antonio will depend on whether we need that game or not. I mean, bottom line, I mean, the Spurs are probably going to need it more because they're fighting for home court advantage, and we should really know by Tuesday if we've got that three seed locked up because San Antonio has uh, the Clippers in Los Angeles, and we play Dallas in the, the Lone Star State, so that could do it for us right there, and San Antonio could be playing for their playoff lives. Denver could be playing for their playoff lives. They had, an incredible, they, they had an incredible comeback. Utah as well. If the line is at two and a half, I'll probably... I'll probably go over because I think if you need that extra win, you can always beat Utah at home on the final day of the regular season. I know Utah already kicked their ass once at home, but I'm going to roll with my team at home. I think they find a way to find another road win somewhere. I mean, the... the I don't think we it was pretty surprising we beat both the Thunder and the Pelicans. I mean th- those were incredible victories so the, the bottom line is that you just never know with this team you you mm. would agree Portland should end up with the third seed. yeah has your thoughts changed on who you want to play week over week as the sixth seed? knowing that Kawhi is in New York rehabbing instead of with his team in San Antonio, which is weird as shit to me.
1: I mean, Spurs are always that number one for me. I think the petty meter for a Spurs-Portland matchup would be off the charts. That narrative is too good in my mind to pass up. And I know we're playing against the most transcendent coach in the NBA, but he can't coach his guards up enough to defend Dame and CJ. He has to rely on the players he has to do that. And I'm going to bet on Dame to be uh elite against Jante Murray or Tony Parker who has has complained about his his, his leg ailments this year. So I, that that's the one I want to see number 1. Yeah, I
0: I don't want to see New Orleans because, obviously, for the the U factor, I want, I want you to have fun during the postseason and, and not. Yes, that that's basically the bottom line. <laughs> I don't want to do that to you. Also, Drew Holiday plays really well against us, and when Drew plays well, that team plays well. It's also playing with fire when their franchise player can equal and at at times exceed your franchise players peak performance so you always want to have the best player in the series on your side and at at given points it could be ad it could be dame and so that's always a, a risk a risky play when you're playing a team so don't want to see the pelicans and i don't want to see the thunder just because i know we beat them four straight times it's
1: a different it's a different animal bro
0: it's just weird. Like, I think we could beat the Thunder, but I, I think there are matchups I would prefer to see, and so that obviously really puts four teams left in the fold. You've got Denver, which I just don't think has the firepower to get up to the sixth. I don't think they're
1: making it. Yeah.
0: So I really won't classify them right now. So then we're looking at San Antonio, Utah, and Minnesota. I would rank them... That's tough. If Kawhi's not coming back, give me the Spurs. Like you said, that petty meter, their 31 and 8 home record scares the shit out of me, though, because they are beating anyone at home and pop and pop. So you've got pop and you've got that that home court where they've just been, mm. been lights out this year. But overall, I I like our, our odds against that team, especially going up against LaMarcus in, in the clutch. It's flip-flop. I used to want Utah but defensively I think they could give us some challenge.
1: Fits. Yeah.
0: I think we would still win out in that series due to experience. I mean, really yeah. only Favors and Gobert have playoff experience. Uh Rodney Hood and Joe Johnson and Gordon Hayward all gone from that that team last year. Exum did not play last year, so he doesn't have any playoff experience. Rubio's never made the playoffs. Um and neither has has Donovan Mitchell. So they're they're leading they're leaning on a rookie to get that done. And that's always, I think, well, a, you a didn't you? Yeah, Ingalls play yeah, you're right. And Jay Crowder, obviously, but they still don't have a ton of playoff experience as a team. The team I'm starting to warm up to play is the Minnesota Timberwolves. And mm. this is a team that got their ass kicked by the Jazz in their in their own gym. They're five and five in their last ten. Tom Thibodeau has run his starters into the ground. They have absolutely no bench.
1: Are you surprised about that shit, though? Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> what I'm
0: surprised about, though, is that they've just completely fallen off. And we don't know if Jimmy Butler's coming back, but is he going to make a. Difference? He's not
1: going to be the same Jimmy. He's not
0: going to be the same Jimmy. And, and really, Andrew Wiggins is not. He's not Scare that guy. Me. And so I think if you're able to. To fluster a team that does not have playoff experience—I mean, they're showing it right now in these games. They're not able to to put teams away. They're losing to teams they they shouldn't be losing to, and I mean, they lost at home to Memphis with a full mm-hmm. roster outside of Jimmy.
1: I mean, I, so I, I all right as a like as a taking my biases out of it, I'll go Spurs, Pelicans. <sighs> Timberwolves I would prefer not to see the Jazz or the Thunder is there another team in there? or is that it? that's it? yeah I'd, I would rather not see the Thunder and Jazz the reason I think we could beat the Jazz but I think we'd be beat the fuck up because they're going to play aggressive and hard but I, I could easily uh, but like I, I, obviously if I had my druthers I'm, go, I'm going Spurs
0: I'm trying to figure out how how to word this, but I cannot wait for the postseason. I got my playoff tickets this, mm-hmm. this uh, earlier this week. Uh, you and Evan are going to be up for Game 1 with me and Olga. Uh, game 2, the homie Matt's going to come up. So, it's going to be a good time.
1: Mm-hmm. I... Will this be and, your uh, first uh, playoff game? Yeah. Woo. Yeah, man, it'll be my first. Yeah, I mean like yeah. Absolutely it'll be my first playoff game. Um I'm I'm excited to see my boy Evan for the first time in real life. You've never met him? Oh I've never met him. But he's been my boy for like four years now. And like, he's part of my life, so like I'm excited to see him. Um, yeah, I'm excited to get like my sneakers from you, and then my painting from Ev. Um, gonna drive up, park at my aunt's house, and then I don't know, either crash on your couch for a night, and then bounce. Or, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very excited to be in Portland. It's my home. You know, I it's where I feel most at home, so it's always good to, you know, spend time with your homies, and you know, I, I might even drink a little bit. It's been like a year plus for me since I last drank. So, Wait, really, might even get a yeah. Ooh.
0: I mean, Evan's, uh, already, uh, Evans already. practicing for game one.
1: Evan, 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 Evan's about that life. Um, he had himself a yeah, weekend. Yeah, uh, <laughs> goddamn right. Yeah, like uh, when when I, when I last lived in Portland, I was a little less mature, and uh, I think I drank too much. So as once I uh, moved to Southern Oregon, I've chilled a lot out on my alcohol. But like I've said before many times, I could still get down. I'm I'm not totally washed, but you know there's there's still that time where you know I can get biz. So I'm excited to uh, break that and hang out with my boys. I mean, y'all are y'all, y'all are very important to me, so I'm happy to share this experience with y'all.
0: And for your sake i hope we're not
1: playing the pelicans <laughs> all right i, I mean let's let, let's address the the that what can i wear to that this game if if it was new orleans and you can wear whatever you want <laughs> all right all right cool probably, I just probably know...
0: silent cheers if you're going to cheer for new
1: orleans <laughs> there's no way No way I'm gonna be silent. None. Zero. Zero. You know me, you've known me, you've been knowing me for seven years when it's a game I actually truly care about. Dude, I I don't shut the fuck up. You've been knowing me this long, you should know that there's no way it's gonna be silent cheers. I'll try not to go berserk, but the silent cheers is, uh, Asking a little, little much from your boy, but yo, if it's Portland versus San Antonio, Portland versus whomever, you just be, able to be that You
0: can wear a Pelicans hat, whatever, whatever. But we got to let everyone know you're a very confused fan.
1: <laughs> oh man, I, I, yeah, uh, it, it will be insane. I, I really am excited about it. To be honest, I don't think that New Orleans will be in the sixth spot, but there's always that chance. Uh, but uh, go Spurs, end up the sixth. So I guess lose more.
0: <laughs> All right, we are about ready to wrap this one up. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to our podcast, Holy Backboard, on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play. You can also hear a one hour condensed version every Tuesday from two to three PM Pacific Standard Time on Dash Radio. Also, find us on social, at Holy Backboard, Facebook, Twitter, and the Gram. Sage. Any final thoughts?
1: Um, let's see. Uh 2K Tuesdays is back, and you can check me and the homeboy stupendous playing uh two K on mixer dot com slash stupendous. And uh keep on the high road, everybody. How about that? That's better. That's a better way to end it. Um, So, we out of here. Fantastic show. My stomach's gurgling, so let's wrap this bad boy up. Let's
0: go, Blazers.
1: Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go.